When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. It has been a minute since we did one of these. Chris, it's good to have you back. You were traveling around this great nation of ours for a little while. Um, and while you were gone, the Mets did nothing. But as soon as you got back, stuff started to happen at a furious pace. And the most relevant of those things is that earlier today, it became official that Max Scherzer will spend the next three years theoretically, as a Met. It's a three-year, $130 million contract. Is that correct? Yep. Sound wrong coming out, coming out of my mouth. I had to double-check myself. Uh, three <laughs> years, because it's so much money. Uh, three years, $130 million. Uh, complete no-trade clause. Opt-out after the second season. Um, this is one of those things that there were rumors swirling, and I think, like many Mets fans, I said, that doesn't sound like something the Mets would do. And so I had convinced myself that this was just not a thing. And, you know, that's fine. Rumors are fun. And then it just kept building. And then by about 9 o'clock or 9.30 last night, it seemed like people were thinking this could really be a thing. Then by about 10 o'clock last night, it seemed like, oh, no, this is happening. But then we had to sit around and wait for another 13 or 14 hours until the deal was finally inked but i mean how do you feel about about the newest met i mean I, it's it still seems totally inconceivable to me that this happened in the best possible way 
Um, how do you feel about this, Chris? Yeah, no, um, and I, I don't think I had missed, you know, I'd been back from being out in the desert um, sort of the first half of the month, but I, I'd been back from that and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there was a Mets Scherzer rumor or anything really until yesterday, right? Uh, I think people have been talking about just, you know, the Mets need starting pitching. Here are the big starting pitchers available. So he might have been, right. you know, listed in things like that. But I don't recall any conversations between the Mets and Scherzer being discussed until maybe it wasn't this weekend. Maybe, maybe it wasn't yesterday. Rather, maybe it was just the start of the like holiday weekend. But yeah. it all happened very quickly. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things that maybe earlier in the offseason somebody like Heyman or Rosenthal or somebody might have mentioned his name. Um, but until really last night, there wasn't anything going on that, that was linking them, uh, you know, in a way um, that you'd expect it to come to this. But, like, holy shit, Max Scherzer on on the Mets. Like, what? <laughs> um and you're right. It, it, you know, when you said it, it is a lot of money to us. And uh, and I'm assuming um, just about every person who listens to us. You know, if there's a if there's somebody out there who's listening, who um, doesn't think that's a lot of money, um, hi Steve Cohen, I guess. You know, <laughs> right. And, and also good for you, man, or woman, yeah, or person. Good good for you that you can uh, that you can say that's not a lot of money. But. Uh, but yeah, a friend of mine last night, and you know, once once some information started to come out, uh, you know, one Mets fan friend, in in the furious texting that I'm sure all of us had going on, um, you know, among our Mets fan friends and family members and uh, and everything, um, had said, oh, 40 million is a lot of money, and I said, not when you have 16 billion or whatever it is, you know, just lying around. <laughs> Like Steve Cohen has still bought art, like single pieces of art that are, depending on your taste in art, maybe surprisingly or shockingly worth more than what Max Scherzer <laughs> is getting paid in this contract. Um, you know, whatever your thoughts are on, on the economic situation in the United States, um, if you're going to have an ultra billionaire, he, he or she may as well own your favorite sports team. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> because then things like this can happen and you can say to your friends, uh, it, I don't care. Okay, sure. $40 million. Yeah, that's a ton of money. Um, but it, it, it's not ours. It's not our money. Uh, and yeah, it's pretty great. And, you know, Scherzer is somebody who has not slowed down at all. Um, you know, he's 37 um, and really put together a very fine season. I think somebody pointed out today, um, and something I probably should have noticed just looking, <laughs> looking at the stats pages myself, uh, that it was actually his best single season ERA. Wow. Of, of his career. Um you know, albeit in slightly fewer innings than than some of his uh, Cy Young winning years, uh, when he was you know well over 200 innings and putting up sub three ERAs, which he's done um, aside from the shortened COVID season in 2020, uh, he's had a sub three ERA 
every year since 2015 and every year except for one since 2013. Um, it's just a remarkable level of consistency. You know, the velocity is still sitting pretty much exactly where it has. Um, you know, this is, it's, it's like getting double to the ground. Um, yes. The strikeout rates are great. He, he doesn't really walk anybody. Um, you know, when you, you look at that kind of pitcher, that kind of track record, um, this is as exciting as it gets. Um, and it's not someone in a million years that I ever would have thought would pitch for the Mets. No, no. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's, the, go ahead. Sorry. Or if he did, it would have been like the Pedro years, which no, no disrespect. Pedro put us in good numbers for like a season and a half with the Mets. But, you know, his, his career was sort of winding down, you know. So if somebody like A. Scherzer was going to come to the Mets, um, you know, especially before ownership changed, uh, you, you would think it would be like, okay, you know, he's he's 39 or he's 41 and he's still pitching, but he's got like a, you know, a 3.90 ERA and he's a big name, but he's not what he used to be. Uh, but I think at the age of 37 now and – Honestly, you know, a three-year contract, there's an opt-out after the second year. Whether it's two or three years that he stays, um, I, there's no reason right now to think that he can't just keep being the guy that, that we know he is. Well, here's the thing. Even if these are his Pedro years, to, to use the term that you just coined, if he declines at the rate that Pedro declined – from the start of his Mets contract, Scherzer doesn't like slam his foot into the rubber the way that Pedro did, which caused a foot injury, which is what began to sort of slow Pedro down a little bit in his time in Queens. So if he just regresses, you know, 20%, 25% each of the next two seasons, he's still probably the best or second best starting pitcher on the market the Mets could have signed this offseason. A Scherzer at 25%, I, I, sorry, at seventy five percent, I would take over Gossman. I would take over Ray. I would take over anyone that was out there. Now, I'm saying this all in a vacuum, and we also have to recognize that the Mets have the uncanny ability to sign a guy and then he just shits the bed forever. You know, see Bay comma Jason for uh, you know an example of that that is the most clear one. But you know, I understand the skepticism of signing a guy in his late thirties. You know. I am older than Max Scherzer. Some people are calling him an old man. Um, fuck you, I guess, uh, because I am a couple years older <laughs> than Scherzer is. So if he's an old man, I don't know what that makes me. But regardless, you know, the um, the the I, I think the point remains. I think that e even if Scherzer declines a little bit, he is still a very good starting pitcher and is a starting pitcher. That the Mets is a better starting pitcher than anyone on the Mets not named Jacob Degrom most likely will be in 2022 um if he doesn't decline at that rate then the mets have the best one-two punch in baseball as long as they're healthy bar none like there is no team that comes close to degrom and scherzer and here's yeah, the other thing no, and not here's even the, close yeah, it's, not, it's, 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 <laughs> it's it's like it's 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 hilarious how good the, those two would be together if they're both healthy and here's the thing their presence on the team protects the other one in a way where if DeGrom is hurt again this year, which God forbid that happens, I, I think, you know, we tend to hang out in a very cynical corner of the Mets internet. 
And so I think people are saying, like, oh, DeGrom's toast. He's, he's always hurt. That's very recent history that DeGrom is always hurt, right? And last year was a weird year. So if DeGrom and Scherzer, if one of them gets hurt, we still have one of the two best pitchers in baseball starting for us. If neither gets hurt, we still have we have the best two pitchers in baseball. Like, this should this is such an important move for this franchise. And it's a move that really doesn't cost them anything. I was talking to my brother before and I said, "Think about how insane this is." The Mets added and we'll talk about these guys later, two outfielders, an infielder, and the one of the top 4 pitchers in baseball without trading a single player. The, they got this all just based on Steve Cohen's money, and every right. con- and every contract is a contract for three or less years, which means that even if these contracts all are terrible and the players all start playing like um, Frank Francisco when he was in pinstripes, right? If if all these go tits up, it's okay because we didn't give up anything to get them. It's just Steve Cohen's money. There is there is almost no downside to making these moves to me. The only downside is if you're if you're prioritizing these players over other players, and you firmly believe that Kevin Gossman is a better fit for the Mets than Max Scherzer, which I understand the idea behind wanting a younger pitcher who is less likely to hit a cliff or to fall off a cliff rather uh, because of age. I understand all of that, but it's not your money. And if you're if it's if it's not your money, then you should have fun with it. Like, I always think about this. The first time I went to a casino, I put like a quarter in a slot machine and I won twenty dollars. And then I just took insane chances with that twenty dollars because it wasn't it was it was lucky money I found. It didn't impact my bottom line at all, so I could have fun and enjoy myself with that little bit of money. That's what being a Mets fan is when Steve Cohen's the owner. It's not your money. Let him. You can. As a fan, root for and enjoy crazy things because you don't have to worry about it. I, I really, after. I really truly believe. After years, after a lifetime of stingy, shitty ownership, right? After intensely worrying about it, after an era in which some reporting had said that even the general manager didn't know what his budget was during off seasons that he was in charge of, right. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, and, and combined with, and I, I don't want to make a, a great day for the Mets about the Yankees, but it's just part of feeling bizarre as a New York baseball fan. Uh, you know, the Yankees signed Jose Peraza to a minor league deal today and the Mets signed Max Scherzer to right. a, a record annual value value contract. Uh, and the Yankees weren't even in on Scherzer. That just feels so bizarre um it does across the board <laughs> I, I should say too uh, we got a very nice email from our friends at true true blue la the dodgers podcast who said uh, congratulations then called me a jerk uh and then said that the mets uh won the the, 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 the essentially the dodgers lost the dodgers won the wrong bidding war with the mets and when you think about it if the mets had just pushed a little bit harder Trevor Bauer would have been a Met this past year, and this definitely wouldn't happen then. Thank goodness yeah. the Mets didn't go after Trevor Bauer as hard as they wanted to. Right. Yeah, they they, they certainly tried, but um, if they're going to learn the ropes and go for it for somebody, 
it is obviously far, far, far better that they <laughs> figure that shit out now. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Scherzer changes everything, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, no, he really does. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, to to have those two guys who are that caliber, that's 40% of your rotation. Um, that is substantial. And obviously, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the other moves the Mets have made recently here, but um, they could use a little bit more middle of the rotation help. Um, I don't, I don't know that we should be doom and gloom about all of uh, Taiwan Walker after his second half struggles and Carlos Carrasco after really not putting it together at all um, this year or David Peterson or Tyler McGill. Um, you know, you might be able to piece together a, a fairly nice rotation behind these two with what you already have. But uh, I think it's pretty fair that the consensus is that they should do a little bit more in between. Um, you know, it, it certainly doesn't seem like that's going to be Marcus Stroman coming back. I mean, never rule anything out until it actually happens, especially no, now that we've that, entered a new era. <laughs> that would be one of the that would be one of the stranger returns based on the last couple of days of uh, of Twitter. Right. Yeah. No. When when the player is tweeting about the team not wanting him and preferring other pitchers, and then it signs one of those pitchers, you know, he's he's doing it in sort of an open way with that. And then he gets into it with uh, Mark Carrig. I'd say still friend of the podcast. It's been a minute Absolutely. since we've had him on. Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> I went to college Mark, with his wife. He is forever a friend of the pod. Yes. So Mark uh, happened to catch that Stroman liked, um, you know, a, a tweet that had an ethnic slur in there um, and called him out for it and screenshotted it. And then Stroman, for those of you who are blissfully not on Twitter, <laughs> Um, God bless Stroman. you. If you're not on Twitter, I really envy you. <laughs> yes. Um, although it gave me something to do on the ride home from Thanksgiving weekend last night. You That's know, true. I was not I was not driving, so I was just pulling down in Tweetbot over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if if you didn't catch it, so correct correctly calls him out, and then Stroman tries to say it's photoshopped and whatever and it's a whole thing and and that's just bullshit because Craig took the screenshot and saw it himself and is a reputable um baseball reporter to say the least I, I think he's not even technically a reporter now he's moved up a couple slots over at the athletic but um yeah yeah that uh, that sort of twitter behavior and it's and it's so weird it's like it's messed up that other online behaviors by players like bauer um and he's really the prime example of it but uh, you know some of that stuff doesn't get flagged as much but the player um you know complaining about the process while he's a free agent and then uh, you know the issue uh, that that Carrig brought up, um, you know, th- those are things that should catch the attention of front offices, and understandably will probably cost that player significant amounts of money. 
mm-hmm. um, but it's just messed up that that Bauer didn't get that sort of treatment as well, you know? Right. Um. So yeah. Anyway, that's been the Stroman part of things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hopefully they can get somebody else in between. But it's hard to like dwell on anything really right now because it's just nobody's going in uh, and and starting pitchers that you know opening day and the second game of the season are slated to be two guys who are huge draws. Um, and you know, not, not that I think that Steve Cohen and, uh, and the front officer making decisions to try to sell tickets, you know, specifically for one player, but I would expect that, that, you know, that first start for each of those two, um, that city field will be pretty packed. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was even thinking about, uh, and try to do that whole series, maybe. And I, I didn't go to many games last year. I, I'm, you know, and, and I'm not the guy to go to multiple games in a weekend. But that's just too fun to uh, to pass up. I think. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you this question because you and I have been Mets fans for approximately the same amount of time, a couple of years difference. But I'm sure that you were one of the folks, or maybe you weren't. Maybe you're a better person than I am, who said things like, you know my team doesn't buy championships when talking about the Yankees, right? Because when we were growing up, the Yankees were just dominating in every way. Um, does this feel like buying a championship? And if so, does this feel weird to you at all? Or are you just like, fuck it, man. We have Cohen's money. Let's spend it. Uh, well, yeah, no, I think I was of that same mind at some point previously. Um, but over the years, I think my approach and, and our approach, and then uh, I think it's just sort of the tone around the sport uh, because baseball has been so incredibly successful financially. Uh, I think it's been easier for people to realize. Like I, I'm not saying it's because we are in our 30s. Uh, I think there's some very young people out there who love baseball who see things for what they are. Um you know, right now, despite being younger, but people are, I don't know, just more cognizant of the fact that there's a ton of money in this game. Um, and you know, these owners who try to act like they're small market and whatever, uh, if you own a major league baseball team or any other major sports team anywhere, really, um, certainly in this country, uh, you probably have so much money (laughs) and whether or not you decide to invest in player payroll is an, it's a decision entirely uh, on you. You know, this isn't, um, and I, I realized saying this out loud, I'm like, Oh, this could sound like rationalizing it because now we're, you know, we're in this spot. Um, but yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with wanting your favorite team to get the best players, um, and in all likelihood, you know it's not like we're talking about. Uh, let, let's just say uh, the city of Oakland. It's not like they're owned by the. It's not like the A's are owned by the city of Oakland. You know, right. there's somebody with a shit ton of money behind uh, everything that goes on who who owns 
that franchise and decides to run it the way they decide to run it. Um, so I think if it was still, if, if we were in the year 2000, you know, 2005, six, seven, eight, nine, I mean, the Mets payrolls weren't small then, but yeah, there was still that like anti-Yankees stigma out there that like, Oh, they just buy their championships. But then, <laughs> I think then everybody just realized, well, like, why is that wrong? Right. Especially because every time the Mets have tried to do that, it has failed miserably. Right. Look at the worst team money can buy. Look at the, um, was it 2002, the Mo Vaughn, Robbie Alomar, Jeremy Burnett's experiment, right? Like, the Mets have tried to do exactly what the Yankees did. The Mets just are bad at it, and they're historically bad at it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, so it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel cheapened. It's, uh, one, let's, let's just hope that they, you know, win a championship, and then we can have people saying to us that they bought it. And uh, and we can we can just say yeah yeah that happened and it was great, <laughs> exactly. um, but but yeah no it's just uh, it's it's not on us to uh, to do that and and I think you know part of the reason why it was so easy to feel that way um, was that. And to their credit, the Yankees and and some other teams were sort of just ahead of the curve with with stuff. You know, there, there's so much sentiment in sports that like, oh, this guy's overpaid. He's not going to be worth his contract. Blah blah blah. And then like, you, you know, being Mets fans specifically under the Wilpon ownership group, especially when it really became their show, uh, and then their post Madoff show. Um you would you would say things uh, when Mookie Betts was on the market on the trade market. If you said, "Oh, the Mets should trade for him and extend him and pay him," you know exactly the same recipe that they followed with Lindor. But if you said that, a significant percentage of Mets fans would be like, "Well, that's not realistic. So shut up. Don't say that." But like, right. as a fan, yeah. you should want your team to take advantage of that kind of a situation. And like just because the owners are inept or incapable or both, uh, that doesn't mean you should just, you know, belittle other fans for thinking that that would be a good idea. Um. So, yeah, in that spirit, it is very nice to be on the other side of this stuff. And I will say, you know, even just in the last few days, um, I hope this is the end of uh you know overly negative reactions when uh, you know the, the this little spree that the Mets just went on started with Eduardo Escobar who's a fine player his last three full length seasons you know he had a weird 2020 but who didn't, who didn't? Yeah. um you know three full seasons all three or more wins above replacement uh according to fan graphs i'm sure similar to that on baseball reference and, and anywhere else um you know but that move happens and it's like oh no here we go you know it just happens to be the first one and uh and and there's concern that like oh that's the off season and uh it very much is not no so uh so that you know, I, I I don't expect that the Mets will spend this much um, 
every offseason. I don't think they'll end up with a $600 million payroll, but <laughs> I, I think they've at least helped feel like it's a significant changing of the guard from from the past. I mean, I think Lindor did that in a, in a significant way, too, because just, you know, the bets comparison, uh, if nothing had changed, the Wilpons never would have traded for Lindor. Um, and they never would have extended him, even if they did. And, you know, I'm sure there's some Mets fans out there who uh, who worry that he's overpaid. But guess what? Also not our money. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, that was going to be my point, which was that I don't think that this is going to be the way that Steve Cohen is going to operate the team for the totality of his ownership. I just think that when the team has been so fucking mismanaged, I mean, look, first it was mismanaged because of the Wilpons and their business acumen or lack thereof. Then you could argue that Brody Van Wagenen came in, a guy without any front office experience, very nice guy, <laughs> was nice to both of us, but, you know, a, a guy who was not necessarily trained in this way and made some moves that, you know, some worked out, some didn't work out so well for him. And, um, you know, but was still a very dysfunctional franchise. And then last year, in the midst of COVID and all that, Cohen comes in, the two GM disasters. The only way, the only way the Mets were going to compete in 2021, I'm sorry, 2022, man, fucking years keep moving by. The uh, only way they're going to compete in 2022 is if they go big this offseason. Because let me tell you something. If you're thinking that Jeff McNeil is going to be the best hitter on your team again, or if you're thinking that Carlos Carrasco can bounce back to where he was, I hope both those things happen, but there is no guarantee of those things. And so the Mets needed to do a couple of things that would put them in a position where they had they could not only improve the team for this year, but also undo some of the mistakes of the last couple of years. And the only way to do that was to spend a lot of money. And so I'm glad Cohen did this. I don't think that Cohen is necessarily going to spend this much money every year. I hope he doesn't because um, eventually that luxury tax will will hurt the team a little bit. Um, but – and what does that mean, hurt the team? I don't even know, <laughs> right? When, when, when Cohen has this much money, it's hard to know what actually hurts the team. It, it'll hurt them with things like draft picks and um, – you know, that sort of thing. So I hope that this isn't how they operate every year. But I think for this year, it's a fine way to operate. And I don't care if you say that that is me just uh, making myself feel better because this is what's happening to my team right now. But I don't care. We have Max fucking Scherzer <laughs> and Jacob DeGrom at the front of our franchise right now. Yeah. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Should we talk about some other guys? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so of the three it, players the Mets uh, signed, who do you who do you want who do you have the most to say about? Let's start there. I think I have the most to say about Escobar. Um, so we'll start there. Yeah. So, as longtime listeners of the uh, podcast know, my cousin is a diehard Twins fan, and therefore I have um, above average familiarity with Twins players. <laughs> uh, you know, among Mets fans, uh, an American League team that is best known for losing to the Yankees in the playoffs. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of a- uh, NL East fans might not really, you know, pay that close of attention to the Twins, but uh, you know that's why I was a little extra excited for Trevor May when uh, when when he came over to the Mets in the offseason last year. Um, so yeah, Escobar uh, fits that that role, that that description. Um, and you know, I also grew up not too far from the then affiliate of the Twins um, in in uh, in Double A. Um, Escobar, I think I, I highly doubt. Okay. So I'm educating myself a little bit here. Uh, he, he didn't even come up through the Twins system for the most part. He had been in the White Sox system, uh, but then made it as a twin. So anyway, I did not see him play as a minor leaguer, but because of my Twins you know, connections in my mind, uh, somebody who, you know, who I uh, had some knowledge of for quite a while and uh, – you know, the, he's a guy who had been a little up and down in his time in Minnesota. Uh, they they sent him to Arizona, and uh, again, you know, 2020 uh, was was definitely a down year, but it was like a third of the plate appearances he usually makes uh, over the course of a full season, even a little less than a third. Um, in his last three full seasons, the dude can hit and. He's not going to be the best hitter on the team, I hope. Um, I mean, if he, if he happens to have that great of a year and everybody else is good, cool. But, uh, but you know, th- this is somebody who's got some pop in his bat. Um, Arizona's pretty hitter-friendly, um, so I don't, you know, I don't want to say that he's going to replicate the, uh, you know, on average mid-20s, mid-to-upper 20s home runs per season when he's playing uh, his games in City Field and, ideally, you know, not in an everyday role all the time. Um, we'll see where else the Mets go with with their position players, uh, either on the free agent market or in trades. And, you know, we're all operating, obviously, <laughs> with the pace of, of things right now in free agency. Everyone's operating under the assumption that the owners will, will implement a lockout when the CBA expires on December 1st, and then who knows how long it'll be before, um, you know, transactions can happen again. So, yeah, all of that said, Escobar is somebody, uh, if he's pressed into an everyday role, um, I can't say that I've watched him enough to know what his defense looks like at second or third. I, I'd imagine it's not spectacular at short 
at, at this point. You know, he's only going into his age 33 season, but just the fact that other teams have had him playing, you know, non-shortstop infield positions primarily, um, you know, that that's something that uh, I, I would expect isn't going to be great if he's if he's out there at short. But I do think it's somebody who has a bat that's good enough that he can carry a starting spot if he's if he's pressed into it. I know not everybody at Amazing Avenue would agree with that, um, but I, I'm I'm fond of the signing. You know, the two year deal at at a reasonable by major league player standards salary. Um, uh, yeah, I, I like you said at the beginning about all of these contracts. You know, short-term deals with an ultra-billionaire owner backing the team. Um, if they don't pan out, then so be it. Uh, but I, I think, you know, this is a nice, solid hitter. Um, and somebody who should be, you know, exciting to watch. He's not a huge stolen base guy. Um, but, you know, he, he hits his uh, fair share of doubles and uh, and throws in some triples. Uh, I know Arizona's got some some parts of the park that can help with that, but so does yes. City Field. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see if the Mets bring back uh, Jonathan VR at this point. Right. I think those two guys kind of are duplicating skills if they're on the team together, but I think both of them work better in part time roles. So maybe if you use them not as a, as a platoon, but if you were able to just mix and match them so that they're not so that one isn't playing every day, that might actually be a very good thing for the team. But I don't know how high on the priority list that is right now. Is that something you would even consider doing? Yeah, yeah, definitely consider. Um, you know, they they've got like right now. If you look at likely starters and bench players. Um, They've got a little bit of a, an overload of lefties, uh, left-handed hitters, I should say, that would be on the bench. Um, I don't think anybody would be surprised if they make some trades. Uh, and Not that they necessarily have to, but if they made some trades involving either Dom Smith or J.D. Davis, who's a right-handed hitter, of course. Um, or Jeff McNeil, maybe. Right. Even, even McNeil. um, you know, if they're going to trade McNeil, they definitely have to have somebody else come in to help play second or third, um, one or two guys. You know, because uh, you know, depending on what your thoughts are on Escobar playing one of those positions every day, or you know whether or not Robinson Cano makes it back um, at all, and you know we're all assuming there's going to be a designated hitter in the National League moving forward. Um, and if there is, obviously, you would think that Cano would benefit from spending a lot of time there. But it, it opens up a little bit of, uh, you know, flexibility in terms of getting guys rest and all that. Um, but yeah, Jonathan VR, and it's no disrespect to anybody else on the roster, but uh, you know, somebody who can get give you uh, just flexibility in the field and at the plate. Uh, that maybe Dom Smith can't. Uh, you know, maybe you bring that guy back, and maybe there's somebody out there who who can get Dom into sort of an everyday uh, first base or or DH role 
you know, where you're not making the dude go out and play the outfield, um, then maybe you can, uh, you know, just find a good match where he can go play and you get something back in return that, that can help the Mets, um, you know, this year and maybe even beyond. So, yeah. And it, it sucks because, you know, Dom is very likable, but you, you look at, and we'll, we'll touch base on the other two guys the Mets brought in on Friday. Um, but you just look at this stuff and it's kind of like, well, where, you know, where does Dom get playing time that he fits? See, I, um, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. I think of JD, Dom, and McNeil. I have the most confidence in Dom's hit tool from any anyone else in that connection. Like I, I don't I don't feel good enough about any of those players' other skills. I don't feel as good about any of those players' other skills as they do about Dom's hit tool. And so I think that that makes Dom both the most attractive to trade, but also the one that might sting the most if you do trade him away and he does play every day with um with another club, you know. Um but I think that the argument for keeping Dom Smith would be that over well, for, for I mean, first of all, none of those three are very good outfielders. McNeil is the best of the three by far. But both Brandon Nimmo and um, you know, w- I mean to, to to a to a large degree, a lot of the team a lot of the team has has had injury problems in the past, right? And yeah. you want to have a couple of players in reserves to help you for when those players get hurt because they're probably going to get hurt at some point. And I think that expecting Robinson Cano to be able to hit at all is a tall order. I mean, he hasn't played baseball in a year. He only played in one of the um, one of the winter leagues, but apparently he got hurt. I think in one of the winter leagues I had heard. So yeah, some back tightness recently. And yeah, sort of. You know, it's just the way it goes. <laughs> exactly. So I would think that, like, if you're if you're looking for a guy to DH, I think Dom makes the most Smith, makes the most sense as the DH. He he would make the most Smith too. Yeah, he would. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for putting that out. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it just, I'm just teasing. Was, I, I know. know. But after we had the our dreams of like, like making Photoshop versions of the Smiths album covers of all the different Smiths <laughs> yes. wound up on the opening day roster this year, I, I couldn't help but catch that. Uh, that almost came out. I, I appreciate that. Yes, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, it's a. Uh, I, I think that he would make the most sense if you don't. If you're not counting on Cano, I think you keep Dom as your DH uh, because he can fill in for Pete. If Pete gets hurt, he can in a pinch play left field for you, and he can DH for you most days. I, I think you would lose the le- the least at first base or DH with Dom as in that position as opposed to JD or McNeil. Um, yeah, but honestly, they're going to have to trade two or three of those guys, I think, if they want to field the team that they are trying to field. Which you know, the word is that the Mets are still in on Javi Baez, which is the craziest part of all of this to me. That the that Cohen is still willing to possibly shell out for uh, for <laughs> for Javi Baez in this situation. But anyway, right, we we still have we still have two more guys to talk about. Um, I guess we will talk about Mark Canna. Sure, yeah. Is that how you um, pronounce it, by the way? I don't think I've ever heard anyone say his name out loud. Yeah, that would be my best guess. 
uh, Kana, I guess, would be the other guess. I, I, I um, think it's Kana. I think. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not totally certain about that. Um, but, you know, he, this is a guy that our own Lucas Vlahos is very high on, who has been calling for his uh, signing all offseason. And it's it's an interesting signing because he's not young. You know, he's in his early 30s. But he's the model of hitting consistency, and he is a high OBP guy. He's a better defensive outfielder than anyone not named Brandon Nimmo that the Mets had on the roster last year. He makes a lot of sense for this team. He's not the flashiest signing, but I think that he's going to be he's going to fit in pretty well. Um, how do you feel about Kana? Uh, good. Uh, you know, I know just getting the uh, maybe the the one concern out of the way up front. Um, some people had pointed out that he had sort of tailed off a little bit in the 2021 season and has had some on and off like hip issues. Um, you know, but you're still looking at a guy that in the last three full seasons um, that, that have happened, he's, he's been, you know, 411, 497, 625 plate appearances. Um, and, and played almost every game, uh, every game except one, in the shortened season in 2020. Uh, so I'm not saying he's the, the perfect example of durability, but he also isn't somebody who's, you know, really missed a ton of time with injury. And over the last four seasons, um, you know, he's just been a well above average hitter. Um, you know, like Escobar. It's been a little higher peaks and a little lower on, on the, I don't even want to say valley, but on the lower end of his range uh, in terms of wins above replacement. But, you know, this is somebody who has been a certainly a positive contributor uh, to the A's for the last few years. Um, you know, his single season best is a two seventy three batting average. Don't expect him to hit that. And that's fine. You know, he's going to get on base a lot. He's got uh, some pop in the bat. You know, he's not going to lead the team in home runs or anything. Um, but, yeah, this is just like a solid dude. It's almost – I don't know why. And, like, I have not seen him play enough, so don't take this as me saying uh, that he that his game looks like. But for whatever reason, I'm just looking at him. I'm comparing him to, like, what Xavier Nady was at his best. Uh when he was a Met. I mean that as a compliment. That that glorious <laughs> half season of Xavier Nady as a Met. Was it really only that long? It was. It feels so much longer. He came he signed at that off season and he was traded okay. for Berto Hernandez in the middle of the season. Oh, that's right. Okay. I love I was I was like I would have bought a, a Xavier Nady jersey had I been able to had I been able to afford one at that time. It's what as a right out of college shithead. Um yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to rescind that. No, no, it's despite, a good comp. I love I love Savior Nady. Despite that, but but uh, let's okay. I'll put my expectations a little more at like Cliff Floyd as a Met. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm down with that. That that's that's a little bit better. Floyd was definitely a higher average hitter. You know, there's some differences in the in the game there. Um, Floyd hit over 30 home runs a couple times. So let's just we'll, we'll leave it at that. He, uh, I think Canna is, uh, in my mind, I'm hoping for a perfect blend of Xavier Nady 
and Cliff Floyd. Ah, I'd sign up for that. Yeah, but but yeah, no, just um, a solid uh, again, a solid major league hitter, um, and and I think it's you know we'll 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 talk about the third guy too, but I, I think as we talk about this stuff, it's you know there's the individual merits of each player. And then there's also just the idea that, you know, whatever role they end up in, um, there are some new faces. One of the things that Mets fans, I think, have gotten a little, uh, I don't know, fed up with is not making enough changes, not bringing in new faces when you when you go outside the organization. Um, You know, this is definitely that, Uh, you know, this is. I think uh, uh, adding these caliber of hitters and, and and overall players to a Mets core that certainly underperformed offensively in 2021, but like Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, y- you know, these are dudes who can hit. Uh, and yeah. I, I know people might have feelings about some of that, but... Um, My big thing with Canna is that well, there's two things. The first is that he's just, he's an actual outfielder. <laughs> the Mets have yes. not had actual outfielders patrolling all three outfield positions in a very long time. He's an actual outfielder. So kudos to them for that. And secondly, I just think that one of the things that the Mets struggled with last year was not even getting the, the big hit when they needed because every team goes through struggles with that. The Mets just couldn't hit last year. And... They couldn't get on base, and they, it was a very frustrating thing to watch. It's like he seems like a, a guy who, even if he's not at his best, like you were saying, if he's a 255, 260 hitter, but he's getting on base at a decent clip, has a little bit of pop, and can play an actual outfield position, that is a very good thing for the Mets. And then they went and got Starling Marte, who's an actual center fielder. Not since Angel Pagan, Chris, has an actual <laughs> center fielder roamed the fields, roamed the grass at City Field. It's been yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, and it's kind of funny. Somebody last night, I forget who, and uh, understandably because everybody on Mets Twitter was tweeting, uh, or maybe it was even this morning, I don't know, but somebody brought up like 10 years ago, this was the offseason that, that happened. And it was, you know, just a screenshot writing about like when they traded Pagan away and, <laughs> you know, they got, they got uh, what was it? Oh man, I don't even remember the name of the relief pitcher, but the relief pitcher and uh, and then uh, Torres, Andres Torres, yes, um, and and you know a couple other, uh, you know, the whole off season was was so 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 little. Uh, <laughs> uh, they got Ramon Ramirez in that trade as well. Yes. Okay. Right. 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 Um. But yeah. It's just funny because Pagan had come up in that context, and then you you know you are correct. Um, you know we've seen guys forced to play out there. Um, typically hasn't gone exceedingly well. You know like Cespedes at his best uh, when they had him in center and he was just mashing the ball. I didn't care if like right of course the defense wasn't perfect and it you know it wasn't center field defense that that cost them the World Series that year either. Um, you know, some unfortunate late game pitching situations and, and, and some really bad infield defense. 
Um, but yeah, it, just the idea of somebody who can hold down center field and and be a good to great hitter. Um, you know, this is Marte's one of his best years as a hitter. Um, he, he hit three ten. 383 on base percentage you know th- those are both career highs um not his highest slugging but you know he's coming off a great season um if he doesn't do exactly that that's also okay you know um mm-hmm. but yeah a, a, an actual center fielder who can hit and you know in two years if he's not an actual center fielder anymore uh you know, this is a dude who stole 47 bases this year. Uh, he had done that once before in his career. Um, you know, you, you just fast guys who can play center field in a year or two, barring like crazy injury situations. Um, it, it's usually pretty comfortable to move him to a corner and assume that that's going to go okay. So, you know, if that needs to happen at some point during this deal, um, then we can wonder who the next, uh, you know, good hitting actual center fielder is. But uh, pretty excited that he's going to be the one to to start this season and and hopefully the next two, three, or or all four in that spot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think that all of these are are really good moves. The Mets the Mets should be praised for once. For, for doing things that feel like the things that winning baseball teams do. I know that sounds very uh, simple and possibly even condescending, but I feel like the team just hasn't done hasn't had a plan in a while. That's one of the things that was being talked about in the Amazing Avenue Slack this weekend. Somebody said the Mets' plan is to improve their defense and improve their starting pitching. And they've done both of those things really well so far. And... Um, I can't remember the last time the Mets had that clear of an offseason plan and then executed that plan that well. So yeah. I'm a happy man. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the Mets might be terrible this year. Scherzer might somehow throw a pitch, and as he throws it, his arm falls off, and then that arm hits Jacob DeGrom in the head and concusses him, and everything is fucked again. But for right now, things are good, and I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, man. This is uh, like I'm expecting a monster year out of Lindor. Um, you know, that Pete Alonzo mashing dingers and hopefully just destroying the home run derby. I, I want him to do it every year and treat it the way he did this year for as long as he plays baseball. Like, I, I, I <laughs> this might sound selfish, uh, but I just, I, I want people to go in feeling like they don't even have a chance and it's just Pete Alonzo's domain. Um, <laughs> yes. But, but if he, yeah, Pete Alonzo hitting bombs, Lindor, I think, um, has several great seasons left in him. We, we know he's capable of that. Um, obviously, uh, and he rebounded pretty nicely, you know, for, for like when he, the injury really puts a dent in this argument but after those ice cold couple of months to start the season at the plate he was pretty much the player that we were all super excited for right yeah the rest of the way um and and, you know you're coming in you are you are the guy it's your first year 
you're in a new city. I think sometimes the whole like, oh, the media market, New York City. I think a lot of times that's us in New York, maybe overblowing it a little bit. Um, you know how important that is to the situation, but um, it's still a major life change. You know, you're living in a new place. You, you, you're on a massive contract. Um, not the first guy to maybe not have his best year under those circumstances, but like, man, and, and not, <laughs> I know I just mentioned the home run derby, but not that you're building a team to try to like get a number of guys on the all-star team and, and, and into the home run derby. But you know, you, you look at this roster and it's at least possible that anywhere from like six to eight of these guys could be at the all-star game. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's not how you win a world series, but, um, I don't know a couple of weeks ago. I don't know that, that you would have had that thought. So yeah, just, just something, something that's exciting. It's getting cold. We're in, we're in the third darkest week of the year. Well, tied with the corresponding one on the other end, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. dark. It's cold. You may have seen some snow flurries depending on exactly where you are. Um, this is always a nice time of year to have exciting baseball news. And obviously I don't want there to be a lockout every year, but if baseball could figure out a way to incentivize having a a sort of like off season frenzy, like all the other sports do, um, that would be nice (laughs) because this has been fun. It, 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 you know, obviously we're rooting for a team that's been super active, but Lots of major things have happened in the span of uh, the last few days and and baseball fans feel engaged and um, depending on how long the lockout lasts and it takes to get a new agreement in place between the union and the league, spring training is not that far away. Um, and a lot of people are very excited about baseball right now, um, which is which is good. It's a good thing for the sport. Yes, it is. Uh, one last bit of Mets related news is that uh, they have a new GM after all of this, and we haven't even mentioned the name Billy Epler once, but um, (laughs) he is the new GM. He is the formerly disgraced GM from the Angels. I say disgraced only slightly uh, tongue-in-cheek. He he hired Mickey Calloway. He has that going for him. He was GM when Tyler Skaggs died of a drug overdose, sold to him by a team employee. You know, I'm not saying that both of those things are explicitly his fault, but those are not great marks to have on your resume. And uh, I don't think he was anybody's first choice, nor do I think the Mets were his first choice. And this is very much a marriage of convenience for both sides. That said, since Billy Epler is GM, the Mets have signed four good players. So who's to tell? Who can know if this is good or bad? Yeah. That's all I got. Do you have any? Do you have any hot Billy Epler takes? No, no. I mean, I think I think it's more than fair um, to bring up the those significant issues. <clears throat> excuse me from um, you know the Angels' tenure. Um, from a Mets perspective, I think it's just the fact that they got somebody into the job. Um, somebody who has experience, uh, you know, running, running a front office, um, and 
has that work that he had done for the Yankees before joining the Angels. Uh, you know, again, not to make today about, about the Yankees, but um, they, they do a lot of things well. You know, they have not been a World Series championship machine like they market themselves and, and, and like their fans think they should be. Um, <clears throat> but they've been a highly competitive team. And, uh, you know, I think working under Brian Cashman for, for some period of time is probably a good influence. Um, you know, whatever your thoughts are on exactly what the Yankees have done on the field. Um, yeah, there's a good background there. <clears throat> and, and, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how things go. But it definitely feels like it's not to put him down. I'm sure he's been involved in, in all of these things. Um, but if you have a sense of what the job is and you come in and have the financial support to be able to do the things that they've been doing, um, that definitely makes the role uh, a lot more comfortable to adjust to. Absolutely. Well, Chris, we've talked about the Mets for the longest we've talked about the Mets in a long time. Um, that yeah. means it's time for our music pick. What is your pick for this week? So on our little uh, tour of the Southwest, we ended up back at Desert Days. Uh, it's been the source of many music recommendations on this podcast uh, from the two previous times that we attended. Um, so this year it was a, it was a scaled-down version both in terms of the, um, you know, the number of people in attendance, um, and then the, the number of stages, which is one instead of three and therefore the number of bands. Um, but it was still, you know, just like the concept, um, 12 months ago, six months ago, even, you know, the concept of, uh, like being at a music festival sounded almost impossible. So it, it you know, it was very cool to get to do that. Um, in, in a way that felt COVID safe. Um, and with that, the, uh, the, the lineup this year, not, not totally up my alley, uh, as much as like the last two times, but there were some bands that I saw for the first time, or at least knowingly for the first time. Sometimes it happens if you go to enough things that you may have seen a band and just <laughs> yes. didn't quite connect um the but yeah so la Luz is the band whose album i'm recommending uh they put out a record um i think it was in october but certainly recently september october um and it is i believe it's just self-titled let's make sure i'm actually saying that correctly since it's yeah yep it's just self-titled la Luz, um all women in the band like a definitely surfy sound and influence sort of throughout what they do. Um, and I'm just going with the most recent record here because it's the one that I've listened to after seeing them. And like any band, you know, they, they played a good amount of it during their set, uh, which was very enjoyable. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my rec. It, I don't know if it's the best December because you know, we're almost there. <laughs> I don't know if it's like the best December music, but if you're in warm weather, or if you just want to feel like you need to be like transported to warm weather, it's aspirational. Uh, yeah, there you go. Or you could listen to it once right now and and go, oh hey, that's a record for uh, you know when it does get warm, and right. and then come back to it then. Uh, but yeah, 
uh, definitely one of my favorite new to me bands that I saw there and uh, and, a, and a nice enjoyable record so very cool give it a shot so I am going to go with a live music experience as well I had been to a couple of shows uh, this uh, late summer early fall I saw uh, Lou Barlow on tour which I know Chris caught the same tour then I went to go see the Bad Plus play at a jazz club in the city at Joe's Pub. Um, but I went to my first, like, sweaty rock show of the pandemic uh, a few weeks ago, and that was at White Eagle Hall in Jersey City to see Titus Andronicus, a New Jersey band uh, from Bergen County, New Jersey, where I grew up as well. And uh, is it was the 11th anniversary, because, of course, COVID messed up all the 10th anniversary shows and tours, the 11th anniversary of the record The Monitor, the Monitor is one of the most ambitious records I can think of. It is both a st- an album about the band and also an album about the Civil War, uh, which is like an audacious thing for a band to do on their second album to make it a Civil War-themed album. <laughs> but that is what Titus Andronicus did. And um, they had an opening band whose name I've already forgotten, who was very enjoyable, and I should probably look that up because I enjoyed them. But once the set started, once their set ended... They started playing like instrumental music from the Ken Burns Civil War documentary as the stage was being set for the show. Just like the, the you know the guitars <laughs> being tuned, and it was excellent. And they ended the the two songs before they came out where they played uh, the Battle Hymn of the Republic and then Civil War by Guns N' Roses, which was amazing. Um, and then they came out. They did like a little short set beforehand, and then they did the whole album and. Um, it's weird. I think like ten years ago, I would have been bummed out about the show because it was very. It seemed very staged to me. In that, like, there was like there was kind of a costume change. Like he changes his shirt a couple times. Uh, the, lead, the lead singer uh, Patrick Stickles changed his shirt a few times, um, and like there was a little segment where. He's accompanied just by a piano, and they had a guy come out and set up like a fake bar, and he sat at the bar and talked to the bartender for a bit, and then sang a song. It was it was very much a show, in the sense of it was like a very uh, performative. Per- I to say performative performance makes me want to shoot myself in the fucking head, but you know what I'm talking about. Like it was a very right, right. considered show. It wasn't just like a banging up there and kind of working without a set list or jamming. Like it was very considered. But that album is such that I think. It really delivered the album in a really great way, and if you haven't heard the album, it is is just an amazing, amazing record. Um, the first three songs take up something like twenty two minutes because uh, they're just these long epic songs, but they're incredible. They're great. Um, it's a band that I saw once a very long time ago, and then I wanted to see them on subsequent tours, and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. And so this is a really nice way to both see them and to dip my toe back into live music. The venue was great, uh, you know, very COVID safe. And, uh, you know, overall, I just felt it was it, it was a good experience getting back to a show. And who knows when I'll get to another one. I had to give up a ticket this week to a show because I'm going away for work. And so it's going to be it's going to be a minute before I get to another show. But I was very glad I got to do this one. But uh, if you haven't heard The Monitor by, Tana, by Titus Andronicus, that is my pick for this week. Um Nice. Yeah, no, I've never heard anybody come out and say, like, hey, this next song's about the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it, like, the album has, like, they had a bunch of musicians record, like, uh, spoken word parts that are parts of, like, Lincoln's Gettysburg, Gettysburg Address and all these things. It's just, it's very, it's incredibly ambitious for a band whose first album is, like, a very straight-ahead punk record. 
And okay, well, the next album is going to be this gigantic fucking craziness, and it's but it's really cool. But anyway, that those are our music picks. The Mets made some moves. Things are good in the world right now. So go to AmazingAvenue.com where we're going to have lots more about the Mets over the next few days. Hopefully we can uh, we can sign Javi Baez. If they do that, then I'm just that I I will never yeah. be one of those Uncle Steve guys on Twitter. But right. I will tip my hat to their to the team's commitment to, to spend to rebuild this team if they can re-sign Javi Baez. Yeah. Which, yeah, man, for sure. Based on our podcast history, will happen in about three minutes. <laughs> as soon as we stop recording, <laughs> we'll sign Javi Baez. So you're welcome, listeners. If, if, if you're listening to this and they've signed Javi Baez, you're welcome. It's because we signed off the show. Um, yes. So uh, I'll take full credit for that. Anyway, uh, go to AmazingAvenue.com for all sorts of Mets stuff. Follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. This podcast is on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find us. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate that. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And until next time, with four new players, including Max fucking Scherzer, let's go Mets.